Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim will continue our preaching series through the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 1, looking at verses 9 through 11. These three short verses describe a remarkable event, the baptism of Jesus. Now that raises a lot of questions. John the Baptist certainly had some. Why in the world would the Son of God need to be baptized by anyone? If it seems backwards, good, it should. And then we read about the voice of God being heard from heaven, identifying Jesus as his beloved son. Well, that doesn't happen every day. I dare say nobody has ever before or ever since received such an introductory nod of approval. What must that have been like to be there and hear that proclamation? Pastor Jim will guide us through an accurate understanding of, of all that was going on here as you listen in today, and we hope every day this week, to the message entitled, The Beloved Son of God. Let me show you a couple of cross-references to help you understand how significant it is that Jesus did righteousness. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul is saying that I may be found in Him, listen carefully here, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You are given a righteousness. When, when, when you become a Christian, you don't get a boost. You don't get help. You get raised from the dead. You, you, you're brought to life. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You had no righteousness. The very best that you could conjure up is, as far as worthiness in the sight of God is concerned, filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6, all of our, and it's literally righteousnesses, every single thing you could do to try to earn righteousness, is, it's worthless. You need something you can't come up with. That's why Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Uh, Theologians call this alien righteousness. That's because it it comes from outside you. It is alien to you, but you receive it as a gift. Contrast that to the self-righteousness of the system that the Pharisees had twisted the Old Testament into. Paul was writing about them when he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 3, "...for not knowing about God's righteousness..." and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. That's what we need, is the righteousness of God. And so Jesus says, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
permit it at this time. And then in just four words, three Greek words, we have another lesson to learn from John. It says, then he permitted him. Now, I doubt there's any possibility that John could fully comprehend the the cosmic significance of it at that merry moment. But he does show us the perfect example of what to do when the Word of God tells you what to do and it feels awkward to you. Obey. Do the right thing. You know, it's one of the favorite things I ever get to do to baptize people as they proclaim their faith in Christ. I've done it, I don't know, somewhere in the hundreds of times. It's a very special thing. It's just to, to, to be there with someone and it, it's, it's outside the routine and you're there for one purpose and one purpose only, for them to declare their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine holding the Son of God in your hands and Him submitting to you at that moment. Can you imagine God choosing to, you, to, to use you to do something of that kind of eternal importance? And it was to fulfill all righteousness at that time. Why was Jesus baptized? Well, to fulfill all righteousness at that time. Secondly, let's move over to Mark now. Only three verses. Number two in our outline, Jesus comes to John. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So, a little different from Matthew. Uh, Matthew doesn't include the detail of, of Nazareth. Nazareth was called Nazareth of the Gentiles. There were a lot of Gentiles there, and, and so Jesus came from this very obscure place that a lot of people wouldn't even have known of and in the Roman world, and so Mark specifies it. And Mark just says, he was baptized by John. Matthew explains that he came for the purpose of being baptized, so he could explain that little conversation that John and Jesus had. Now, we know from Luke chapter one. That's where you work your way through the miraculous pregnancies of John the Baptist's mom and dad, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias, and the um, virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We know from that chapter that Jesus and John were relatives. And since we know that Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, knew who Jesus was, And we know that they were told what John's role was going to be as the forerunner to the Messiah. It's quite reasonable to to assume that John's parents had explained this to him long before this day. They had 30 years to go over it and over it and over it and make sure that he was ready. But there's a lot of things that lead up to this that, that aren't explained in the Bible. Uh, one thing, we, we don't know how well John knew Jesus before this. People hear that Jesus and, and John were relatives, you know, probably like second cousins or something like that. So they, they picture them you know, playing with their blocks as, as um, toddlers or uh, you know, flying kites as little boys and you know, playing and getting together on all their birthdays and the holidays and all of that. 
This is the only place that we know of in the Bible that records John and Jesus being in the same place at the same time. We don't know how well John knew Jesus before this. So there are several unknown factors. Since Jesus grew up in Nazareth in Galilee, and John's father was a priest who served in the temple in Jerusalem, they lived about 75 miles away. Now, that's not really impossible for you to get your kids together with their cousins, but we're looking at a five-day walk, a five-day trip each way. Um, And so we just don't know if they had ever even met in person. How long did Zacharias continue his ministry as a priest in Jerusalem? Because remember, the the, the miraculous part of John's birth is that Zacharias and Elizabeth were well beyond childbearing age and had never had a child, and God allowed them to give birth to, uh, to, to John. So who knows if he retired? I mean, he, I suppose he could have moved to Nazareth, but we would have been probably told something like that. But that would have had something to do with the possibility or likelihood or unlikelihood of contact between Jesus and John. We also don't know how long John had been out there in the desert. He may have been there for years. I mean, he had a routine. He had a lifestyle. He, he knew all the ways to cook locusts and wild honey, and, and, and he, knew, he knew that area. He might have been there for some time before he began his preaching and teaching ministry. Luke chapter 3 verse 2 says, it was there that the word of the Lord came to him. So it implies that he was already there, then he was given the word about what to to do and preach. Did God give direct revelation to John about when Jesus would arrive? We don't know. It, it, It would appear so from the text, but it could be that Jesus just came up and introduced himself to John before this public appearance. Did God give direct revelation to John about what was going to become of him after Jesus had arrived? It's interesting, John didn't just shut down his operation and become the first disciple of Jesus after he baptized him. John continued his ministry. That's curious, but he continued preparing people for the Savior as Jesus' ministry got started. And we don't know that John was told what was going to become of him. It, it wasn't so wonderful. We're going to see more about that as we travel through Mark. So why was Jesus baptized? He came to do it to fulfill all righteousness. And then secondly, he comes to John. We see that in chapter 1, verse 9. And now the final two verses for the day. The Father identifies the Son. Look at these three verses together. This is all... This is all that Mark says about it. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit, like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. So John's just... Matter of fact about it, he was baptized. He, um, John put Jesus under the water and he brought him up again. In case there's any lingering doubt in your mind, 
That's what the word baptize means. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.